0: Hi, welcome to our hot topic video. I'm Stephanie Schwartz, the Director of Women's Ministry at Compass Bible Church, and we are looking at our hot topic this week. Uh, It's been great at the end of our Women's Bible Study season every year for the last 14 years, we've looked at a hot topic, something that's maybe controversial, a little edgy, uh, something that we want to think through and kind of weigh against Scripture, think, you know what. What does Jesus say about this? What does the Bible say about this? How should we as Christian women think about and respond to these topics? And we began 14 years ago with the secret, the power of attraction. We looked after that at things like um, hell. We looked at sexuality. Uh, we looked at topics like politics and social media. We looked at abortion. We talked about things like Uh, Rachel Hollis and her writings, The Shack, uh, Ruffled Some Feathers With Jesus Calling, uh, all sorts of different things. But this year, we're going to talk about the COVID-19 concerns. And I'm sure some of you have already guessed that. You already decided in your mind that that was going to be the hot topic this year. And if so, You were right. Uh, Our subtitle of the teaching is Replacing Fear of Circumstances with Faith in Christ. Now, I personally, I'm no stranger to concerns. Uh, One of my vivid memories is when I was about six, seven years old, driving down Edinger in Huntington Beach with my family, my parents in the front, my brothers in the back of the car, a big yellow station wagon. And I remember this group of pretty tough looking bikers coming up and surrounding the car on Ettinger. And my poor dad was terrified. And all I remember is him yelling to us from the front seat, don't make eye contact. And I was terrified. I thought, oh my goodness, what's going to happen if I make eye contact? So we all sat there frozen, waiting for this group of bikers to pass us by. Later on, uh, at one point, my dad was with my family in Mozzolan in Mexico, and he heard a loud popping noise and immediately screams out, it's a sniper, hit the dirt. Well, you know, I mean, my poor dad, not to throw him under the bus. I love my dad. He's a lot of fun. It's fun to laugh at some of the things that he said. And I know that my kids are laughing at some of the things that I've said as well. And, you know, to his credit, his mom did the same thing. Uh, He talks about when she was in the Great Depression and she would throw herself on the floor in their home and say, you know, we're out of money. We're going to lose everything. We're going to lose our house. So, you know, I've kind of been raised in this culture of fear. Uh, I remember my dad saying often, quoting from Job, uh, he would say, All that I have feared has come to pass. In other words, if you fear something it's going to come to pass well looking the verse up job 125 uh, the passage is a little different it says the thing that i fear comes upon me and what i dread befalls me in other words what i'm going through is really rough i mean this is some bad stuff but you know we all know or we have experienced fear before and fear results when we think that something bad is going to happen to us or to those we love. And we've all got to admit, we're going through some fearful times right now, right? Uh, How do we respond to these fearful times? And does Jesus have anything to say about the fears that we're experiencing? You might be wondering, what fear are you talking about? I know you know what fear I'm talking about. Uh, pulling right from cdc.gov, the Center for Disease Control website, uh, the CDC is responding to a pandemic of respiratory disease spreading from person to person called by a novel or new coronavirus. This disease has been named coronavirus disease disease. 2019, which is ber- abbreviated COVID-19 for Corona Virus Disease 19. Uh, this situation poses a serious public health risk. COVID-19 can cause mild to severe illness, Uh, most severe illnesses we know are occurring in adults 65 years and older, and people of any age who have serious underlying medical problems. Now, the virus that causes COVID-19 is thought to spread from person to person, mainly through respiratory droplets that are produced when an infected person coughs or sneezes. So these droplets can land in the mouths or noses of people who are nearby and possibly be inhaled into the lungs. So the spread is more likely when people are in close contact with one another within about six feet, and that's all pulled right from the CDC.gov, the Center for Disease Control. Now, what makes this so scary is I also pulled these numbers from the Center for Disease Control last night. Uh, At this point, in the United States alone, uh, there are now 1,300,696 cases of COVID-19. And there are 78,771 total deaths. If you do the math on that, that is a little over a 6% death rate, which is huge if these numbers are right. That means six out of 100 people are dying from this. That's three out of 50 or one out of 16.7. That means every 17 people that contract this are going to die. I mean, that's super scary if those numbers are right. So the first point that I'd like you to write down if you're taking notes right now is note how the pandemic has escalated our fears. If we have underlying fears or residual fears, this pandemic is bringing a lot of those things out. And the first area that those fears are coming out is our fear of losing Our health, our fear of losing physical fitness. Will we be physically fit? How will we fare through all of this? I mean, we've all seen on the news the images from China uh, with this army of people in full gear doing whatever they can to you know, eradicate this disease. We've seen images from Italy of you know, overflowing hospital beds and places where they don't even have room to hold or store the bodies. Uh, we've seen images from Spain with the same thing taking place, just uh, countless deaths and people who are losing their life to this pandemic that's, again, going throughout the world. Uh, COVID-19 is a respiratory disease. Uh, It attacks the air sacs in our lungs, and it causes the air sacs in some people to fill with liquid so that in the places where there should be gases that are exchanging oxygen and carbon dioxide, that liquid is keeping that gas exchange from taking place, and people are actually suffocating to death from this disease. That sounds pretty scary to me. Now, uh, some of the great infectious disease thinkers that are working with our president have warned us that we can expect a lot of people in this country uh, to die from this disease. Uh, it's been ex- estimated that 100 to 200,000 people will die from this disease, and that is if we do everything right. If we follow the rules and follow what our government is asking us to do, we can keep the Deaths to 100 to 200,000, which is coming right in under a quarter of a million people. That's a lot of people dying from this disease. We know that uh, New York was already hit hard by this disease and many people, many elderly people, many people with underlying health conditions. We even saw stories of people who were younger with no underlying health conditions, who were uh, wiped out, had their lives taken from this new or novel disease. Our own governor, Governor Newsom, uh, recently projected that 56% of all in California, all people in California would be infected with this disease in eight weeks if we didn't make drastic uh, attempts and measures to push this back or to quell this from happening. 56%. That's a lot. Uh, And we saw that death rate of 6%. I mean, that leaves us feeling frightened or scared. And we've learned that for those that survive the disease, there are residual damaging effects on the body. I mean, it not only damages the lungs, but the brain, the heart, uh, the blood, the kidneys, the intestines. It's hard on the body to get through this disease. So this disease is escalating our fears. Uh, it's escalated my fears. I personally have struggled with asthma. I know what it's like not to be able to get a full breath breath of air. I'm definitely on the other side of the curve when it comes to midlife and, you know, being past that midlife. uh, So I could be potentially at risk for this uh, disease to take my life. And what about my family members? What about my parents? What about my children uh, who have compromised immune systems? It's leaving us scared. Our fears are escalated we're also experiencing a fear of economic failure uh, that we're going to lose financially. We know that uh, the way to avoid this disease or to try to push back this disease from, you know, overtaking, as we saw, was to... uh, keep away from one another, to uh, work with social distancing. And because of that, many businesses have shut down. Uh, Businesses have shut down. Sporting events have shut down. uh, Concerts, theaters, all sorts of things have shut down. And as a result, many people have lost their their jobs. Uh, We've been told that we need to stay home in order to save lives. If we want to do our part and keep people from dying, then we need to stay at home. We need to shelter at home. We need to leave only when absolutely necessary to keep ourselves and others healthy. And this creates fear. Uh, I just pulled an article last night that said just in April, the U.S. economy has lost 20.5 million jobs. Unemployment has soared to almost 15 percent to 14.7 percent, and some are saying the economic fallout that could uh, take place as a result of this pandemic has... has the potential to be as big as what happened during the time of the Great Depression. So there's a lot of fear going on with the economy. I mean, what's going to happen? I don't want to lose my job. I don't want my family members to lose their jobs. I don't want people to not be able to pay their mortgages and their rents, not be able to pay for food or to get medicine. I mean, this is creating a new kind of fear or bringing our, our fears up more to the surface. Another fear that we might have, uh, some might even say, I'm not worried about my health and I'm not worried about my finances, but many of us are worried about things becoming abnormal, not being normal anymore. We have a fear of things becoming abnormal. Uh, I've been washing my hands more than ever, and I'm sure you have too. I mean, we're told to constantly wash our hands, and for a lot longer than I realized, we needed to be washing our hands. Uh, can't touch your face anymore. I. Guess I used to enjoy touching my face, but that's something that we can't do anymore. We shouldn't be touching our face because we can get infected with the disease. Uh, We need to be using Clorox wipes and we need to be using hand sanitizer and doing whatever we can to wipe down surfaces continually, including our phone, our countertops, whatever it is. The problem is when we go to the store to get the Clorox wipes and the hand sanitizer, they're not there. The shelves are bare. The shelves have been stripped of Clorox wipes and hand sanitizer, uh, stripped of toilet paper, right? Uh, Even stripped of things like elastic for masks and flour and rice. I mean, this has been crazy. Long lines to get into the store and nothing there when you get in. We've been told to wear masks now. There are some stores that say we can't even get in without wearing a mask. And wearing the masks are uncomfortable. They don't feel good. Uh, You walk around seeing other people that are wearing masks, you feel like you can't even relate to them anymore. It just feels very abnormal. And then again, told to be social distancing. We need to keep ourselves six feet apart, right? So when you're walking in a direction and someone's there, they're walking in the other direction and everybody's making sure to, you know, stand on those X's on the ground and keep that six feet in between one another. We can't run up and hug our loved ones the way that we used to. We can't meet together for gatherings and parties. We've got to be social distancing, staying home and saving lives. I mean, you know something's gone wrong when Disneyland is closed, right? I Disneyland, the only times that Disneyland has ever closed is one day, for one day after JFK was assassinated and for one day after the Twin Towers incident, 9-11. That's the only time. And now suddenly Disneyland's been closed for months, right? I know for me, I've experienced a lot of, inconveniences without having things normal. uh, I used to like to go to Starbucks, grab a coffee, grab some of their food. Uh, Yesterday, I was going to be going somewhere at 9, so I decided to put my mobile order in at 8.30, giving them a little extra time to fulfill it. Well, I went to put it in, and the normal Starbucks that I go to wasn't taking normal orders. So I went to a nearby Starbucks for the mobile order. And I put my mobile order in and drove up and got there. When I walked up to the door to pick it up, I noticed a big sign there. You can't come in without a mask. Ran back to the car, got the mask, fumbled to put it on, get it through my hair, get it over my ears, went up to the door, ran to open it, and the doors were locked. Another sign was there. All mobile orders must be picked up in the drive through line. Well, I looked and the drive through line was out into the street. So I sat in the drive through line for 40 minutes until I got to the drive-up window to pick up my mobile order, which was cold and soggy. So uh, things are definitely not normal anymore. And I know one thing that we all really miss is joining together corporately uh, as a church, to hear Pastor Mike preach, to meet together on the weekends, to meet through the week, uh, just to get together as a church family. So our fears are escalated. When are things going to get back to normal? And what if they never go back to what feels like normal? And then also we have a fear of what's being reported, a fear of the news, basically. I mean, no matter what news you look at, it's really doom and gloom and it's scary and it's bad. Uh, looking at Fox News last night, I pulled these ones. Uh, there are now cases of infants with these new respiratory diseases that they're saying could be a result of COVID-19. I thought infants were supposed to be under the radar. Now, now maybe they're not. Also, some places, some countries that have begun to reopen are seeing a surge in cases again, so they need to close back down, and this creates anxiety and stress and fear. Uh, CNN reported last night about uh, an airline that's filing for bankruptcy because of the pandemic, and an ice cream shop where the owner opened up and then had to close because the clients or patrons were being so rude to each other in the midst of this very uncertain and awkward time. And then, besides the news, we're being told that the news that we're getting isn't really the real news. It's all fake news, and there's other news that's being hidden from us, Uh, Recently, I learned about a new video that was released called Plandemic. Uh, Plandemic was uh, produced by a guy named Mickey Willis. Uh, He's produced other videos about medical concerns. Uh, One about how uh, psychedelic drugs are helpful for those with PTSD, drugs like LSD and uh, MDMA or ecstasy. Uh, Another about how weed or pot can be helpful for children with cancer. And now he's saying that this is a plandemic, not a pandemic, but a plandemic, insinuating that someone actually planned this or is profiting from this. Well, that's scary. Uh, What about the news about the 5G towers? I don't know if you've heard about those, but many are saying that, you know, these new 5G towers that are being set up for our cell sites so that we can get more bandwidth are actually either creating the virus or destroying our immune system so that we can't fight against the virus. What about Bill Gates? I mean, I've been learning about him. They're saying that, you know, he is specializing in these things. He's one that has studied these uh, viral diseases, and he is very much a proponent of immunizations. Uh, Is he somehow masterminding this or or gaining from this? And is it Bill Gates or others' desires to implant chips in us? Do they want to see who does and doesn't have uh, coronavirus? Do they want to track us? Do they want to follow us? all these things are really creating a lot of fear and a lot of stress. I mean, I look at the news and I think I hate the news, but then I keep checking the news. And then I wonder, is it fake news? Who do I believe? What news source is right? Well, you know, the Bible actually says a lot about fear. Uh, I did a word study on fear feared, fearing. And the word fear is found 444 times just in the ESV. 444 times in the ESV. That's fear, feared, fearing. That doesn't even include the word worry or anxiety or concern or being afraid. Just fear, feared, fearing is found 444 times in the ESV. If we look at the scripture, we see the first time that fear is mentioned is after the fall of Adam in Genesis 3, chapter 10. Uh, Genesis 3, chapter 10, Adam had rebelled against God. He had fallen into sin and God was looking for him and Adam was hiding from God. And God said, why are you hiding? And Adam replied by saying, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So we see that fear entered the world in a sense after the fall, after sin entered the world. So the Christian, the Christian will wrongfully feel, feel fear when she thinks that God is going to put her or her loved ones in a situation that is ultimately harmful. That God does allow us to go through very difficult situations. But when we start to think that it's going to have ultimate harm, that it can't be redeemed or used for good, that's when we start to experience wrongful or sinful fear. Now, the root of our fear is really a desire for control. Uh, We fear because we want control. We want our desires fulfilled in our way a pain-free way, right? I like pain-free. We want our desires fulfilled our way more than what God might have for us. And when we feel we're losing this control, fear results. So the root again of our fear is a desire for control. And the fruit of our fear is things like anxiety and worry and quote-unquote concern when it's sinful concern. Uh, it's like a weed that's growing in a garden. If you've ever seen uh, a nice green garden or green grass with weeds growing up, you know that you can pull the leaves off the weeds, but you're not really uprooting the weed, right? You can deal temporarily with a feeling of anxiety or concern or you know whatever it is, but you got to get in there and dig that root up. You got to deal with what's causing that. You got to deal with the fear itself and uproot that altogether if you want to get the weed out. So the way that we can do that is by looking at what Jesus said what does the Bible teach? What does God say about fear and our fears, uh, particularly the fears that we looked at? And before we look at that, let me ask you this question. Now, I know this is going to seem like, okay, this is a no-brainer question, but really be honest right now. Do we, do you really trust Jesus? I mean, I know there's somebody in your life that you trust. It might be your husband, your spouse, or it might be your parents. It might be a really good friend. It might be your pastor, Uh, someone that you really trust that you know that they're going to tell you the truth. And even if it's not what you want to hear, you know they're going to be honest with you and they're not going to lie to you. Now, let me ask you, do you trust Jesus that way? Do you really trust Jesus that way? When you read his words Do you believe that he's telling you the truth? That even though it might be hard to hear, he's not going to lie to you because he's not. He doesn't even have the ability to lie to you, right? So the second point for us is to compare your concerns to the teaching of Christ. Let's compare our concerns to the teaching of Christ because Christ is the one who's going to tell us the truth. Uh, He's going to be honest with us. He's not going to lie. And, you know, if we look at our first concern, the fear of losing our health, our physical fitness, I mean, I'd say even a fear of dying, let's see what Jesus said about that. Before we look at the words of Jesus, let's look at the Old Testament, Isaiah 43, verses 1 and 2. Isaiah 43, 1 and 2. This is God uh, speaking to his people through the prophet Isaiah, and he says, Now thus says the Lord he who created you, O Jacob. Now remember, God is our creator. He's made us. That that should give us comfort right there. God made us. He who formed you, O Israel, fear not. Why do we fear not? For I have redeemed you. Uh, God has given his life, right? To reconcile us to himself. I have called you by name. You are mine. God has marked us out individually if we're Christians. He created us. He redeemed us. And he has called us. He tells us, do not fear. And then he goes on to talk about times when we might go through some very tough situations. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Uh, So right there saying there will be times that we go through the waters. There will be times that we go through the fire. There will be times that our health is compromised. And we all know that unless Jesus comes back at the rapture, we're going to die at some point. But God is with us. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew six twenty five through 27, Jesus said, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? He said, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. He asks, are you not of more value than they? And then listen to this in verse 27 of Matthew 6. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? Do you believe Jesus when he said that? Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? Jesus was saying, he already knows when our life is going to end, and we can't add even an hour to that, there's really no point in being consumed with fear. We can change the quality of our life. We can maybe eat well and exercise and lower our blood pr- pressure. But according to Jesus, we can't add a single hour to our life by worrying. We see the same truth in the Psalms, Psalm 139:16. Psalm 139 16 says, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. The Psalm is saying every single day that I was going to be on this planet was pre-written even before I was born. I mean, how amazing is that to contemplate? And that's why the missionary, uh, a missionary to the Muslims, uh, Henry Martin said, I am immortal until God's work for me to do is done. In other words, until God is done with me, until God has that day marked out, I'm immortal. I can't die. He knows exactly when I'm going to die. Now, does that mean we should be foolish and drink cyanide and jump out in front of cars? Of course not. Uh, Jesus, Addressed this in Luke 4.12, when Satan tried to tempt him, getting him to jump off the pinnacle and be you know, lifted up by angels. And Jesus said, no, you don't tempt God. Uh, we're not called to tempt God. But at the same time, we need to remember that God knows exactly when we're going to leave this planet. And we can't change that. So I have a chart for you to fill out, and the first part of the chart, the concern here would be your health, uh, your fitness. Uh, COVID-19 would say to us, you might get really sick and die, and that's true. We might get really sick and die, but Jesus would say to us, worrying won't add a day to your lifespan, so there's really no point to live in fear. And the second one was the fear of economic failure, just fear of losing our money, uh, fear of not having everything that we had financially, fear of not being able to pay the mortgage or pay the rent, fear of our you know, financial empire that we've worked so hard for crumbling, right? And Jesus addressed this. Same passage, Matthew 6, verses 28 through 34, he said, "'And why are you anxious about clothing?' Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. How amazing. He goes on, "'But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith?' Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father, he knows that you need them all. God knows exactly what we need, and he's going to take care of us. That's what Jesus promised. Do we believe Jesus? Do we trust him? We see the Apostle Paul saying the same thing to uh, Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 8. He said, Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and we can't take anything out of the world. And then he said, but if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content." I like to say, if we have dishes to wash and laundry to wash, with these, we will be content. Have you done dishes lately? Have you done any laundry? Then you're called to be content because God has given us all that we need in Christ. So on the second row of your chart, we have economic concerns. COVID-19 would tell us you might lose your money and your stuff. I mean, you might have some financial hardship, you might lose your job, and you know what? The whole economy could tank. And Jesus says, you know what? God will give you what you need. He's going to provide for you what you need. The third one was the fear of things becoming abnormal. We've just lost our sense of normalcy, right? Well, listen to what Jesus said about that. Uh, For example, in Luke 9, 57 through 62. Luke 9, 57 through 62, Jesus said, As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. So this is about following Jesus, being a disciple of Christ. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. I mean, what he's saying is for the disciple of Christ, for the one who wants to follow Christ, expect to not have comforts in this life. I mean, in other words, expect not to be entitled to what you feel is normal. He didn't even have a place to lay his head. And then he went on to another. He said, follow me again, being a disciple of Christ, following Christ. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father and jesus said to him let the dead bury their own dead but as for you go and proclaim the kingdom of god uh, so this guy didn't want to yet follow jesus because he wanted to bury his father uh, some say maybe he wanted to take care of his inheritance when his father died others saying he just wanted to be with his family jesus saying you know what you can't be stopped you can't be paralyzed by a fear of losing finances or a fear of even separation from your family if we lose normal, that's discipleship. Jesus went on again in verse 61. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. Discipleship here. But let me first say farewell to those who are at my home. And what did Jesus say? He said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. I mean, there's a great visual, putting your hand to the plow and moving forward and looking back saying, I want things to be normal the way they used to be. We're just not entitled to that as Christians. And that's why our Pastor Mike has coined the great acronym, ATAPAT. I I mean, what a great way to remember these truths. The first AT, AT for anything. Uh, are we really ready to do anything that Jesus calls us to do? Uh, AP, for any place. Are we ready to go any place that he calls us to go? And that would include staying where he wants us to stay. Are we ready to go at any time? Uh, Night, day, morning, Winter, spring, summer, whatever it is, are we ready to go at any time, any season of our life? And if you think about it, I don't think anyone on this planet has given up normal more than Jesus himself, right? I mean, in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. He existed with God. He is the second person of the triune God and he was willing to humble himself and take on human flesh and live with us. I mean, talk about giving up normal, right? You know, one thing that we might not be considering either is how normal is this anyways? Uh, think about a verse like or a passage like Romans 8, and 23. It says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly, as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So not only us are we waiting for the redemption of our bodies, but the whole creation is groaning together with us because the way that things are now, this is not the way that things were supposed to be. What makes us think any of this is or has been normal? I'm convinced that when we get to the next life, we're going to discover that this life was never normal. So we shouldn't be afraid, concerned, fearful about losing normal. So the third row in your chart is the concern is things are abnormal. COVID-19 tells us that we might never get normal back. And Jesus says, we're always supposed to be ready to give up normal. Now, the last one, the fear of what is reported, the fear of the news. I mean, it's hard hearing that bad news and not even knowing if the news that we hear can be trusted. Uh, What about, you know, these people who want to harm us? What about these news sources who aren't really interested in our best interests, but have political agendas and spins and desires? Jesus addressed these things too. Uh, Matthew 10, 28 through 31, Jesus said, don't fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. In other words, all of these news sources and you know, uh, news outlets, we're not to be afraid of what they're telling us. He says, rather fear him who can destroy the, both the soul and body in hell. He goes on, are not two sparrows sold for a penny, not worth much, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. God's in control. We are valuable to him. And we see this also in Isaiah. Uh, the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 8:11 through 13. Uh, God spoke to the prophet Isaiah. God said to Isaiah, Uh, This very um, interesting text, God said in verse 11 of Isaiah 8, The Lord spoke thus to me with his strong hand upon me. So this is a strong warning from God. And warned me, what did he warn him? Not to walk in the way of this people. He said, don't call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy. And do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. Wow, that is a strong warning from God to Isaiah. Don't call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy, and don't fear what they fear, nor be in dread. That word for conspiracy there is the Hebrew kesher, and it's a political term. Uh, it's a word that describes an alliance or an association. I looked it up. It's used 16 times in the Old Testament. And if you look through all the times that that word is used, it's concerning a political coup or a political uh, movement where one political group is trying to usurp or overtake or dominate another. And God says to Isaiah, I don't want you worried about that stuff. Psalm 112 verse 7 says he is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. Uh, The one who trusts in God isn't worried that bad things will come to him because he knows that God is in control and he's not afraid of bad news. You know, for us, some of the bad news, it might be true and some might not. But either way, what we're called to do is to keep on following Jesus I mean, think about what Jesus did in the midst of the greatest conspiracy in mankind, uh, the plot, the, uh, the coup to uh, assassinate, to execute the second person of the triune God. Uh, when Jesus revealed to his disciples, to his friends, that this was all going to happen, he ate together with them. Uh, the gospels tell us that he got up afterwards. They sang a hymn together. They took a walk and they went to the Garden of Gethsemane where they usually went to pray. He moved on as normal, even though that conspiracy was forming against him. Now think about what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33 and 34. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What are we to seek? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. He adds, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We're not to be freaking out about things concerning tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. We're to be seeking first God and his kingdom. Now, I'm sure that some of us, when we stand before the Bema Seat of Christ, I'm not talking about the great white throne judgment, but some of us as Christians, when we stand before the Bema Seat of Christ and God evaluates our life, some of us are going to be shocked to hear that we wasted time pursuing the wrong things. I know I've wasted time. I'm sure you've wasted time. I don't want to waste time. I don't think you want to waste time either. Let's make sure that we're not wasting our time pursuing things that God said, I don't want you to pursue that. What does he want us to pursue? He wants us to make disciples, right? Uh, We know that's the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus reminding his followers, he's with us. He's with us and he wants us to do the work he's called us to do. He calls us to make disciples. That's what we're here for. I love Psalm 118 verse 6. Psalm 118 verse six says, "The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Uh, there's nothing that man can do to us that's outside of God's sovereign control. Whether it's a pandemic or a pandemic. It doesn't matter, right? Uh, 5G towers that are destroying our immune system, Bill Gates and his shady or, or you know uh, his schemes, or if they want to put chips in us, what can man do to me? We don't need to fear because God is on our side. And then one of my favorite passages, I would say uh, my favorite chapter in the entire Bible, uh, Romans chapter 8, Romans 8, 38 and 39. I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. How encouraging is that? Plandemic, Bill Gates, 5G towers, chips, none of these things will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So the final row in your chart is for the reports. The reports, COVID-19 tells us the news is terrible, right? And it might not even be true. You might not even be getting real news. It might be fake, but Jesus says, you know what? We're not to fear bad news. As Christians, he's with us and we're not to fear these things. Now, if you look at the concerns there, fitness, economic, abnormal, and reports, uh, the letters that they begin with, F-E-A-R, spell out fear. So hopefully that will help us to remember these things, the fears that we have, and the responses that we see from the scripture and from Christ. So that means we're to have no fear, right? Christians should have zero fears. Well, not necessarily. Uh, Remember that passage we just looked at where uh, God warned Isaiah, Isaiah 8, 11, and 12? Let's add on 13. Isaiah 8, 11, and 12 says, God spoke thus to me with his strong hand and warned me, don't walk in the way of this people, saying don't call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy, and don't fear what they fear, nor be in dread verse 13, but, but the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. Wow. The third and final point is resolve to fear the Lord. Uh, We're not called to fear circumstances, but we are called to fear the Lord. Now, the great thing is that as Christians, we have no fear of eternal separation from God. Uh, For example, 1 John 4, 18 and 19 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. What a great reminder that if we are in Christ, we never have to fear eternal separation from God. And if you're listening, and you know in your heart right now that you've never come to that place of genuine repentance and faith, this is the time. I mean, this is really the time now. You can't risk eternal separation from God. You need to get to the point where you say, you know what, I am willing to confess that I have failed to live the life that God has called me to live. I am not holy. I'm not perfect. And I need Jesus to cover my sin, to pay for my sin. Confess your sin to God. Put your trust in Jesus and then turn from your sin and start to do things his way. And then if you are a Christian, you'll still have fear, but a different kind of fear. Uh, Christians are called to have a fear of displeasing God. Uh, For example, Ecclesiastes 12.13, the end of this great book, uh, Ecclesiastes 12.13 says the end of the matter. I mean, when everything's wrapped up, when all has been heard, fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. And there's that beautiful connection there. Uh, For the Christian, if you fear God, you're going to keep his commandments. And when you keep his commandments, it's because you fear the Lord. We see the same thing in Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Uh, Paul, writing to this church at Philippi, says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, you've kept God's commandments. You've done what you were supposed to do. As you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure." Paul's saying, obey. Now that you're a Christian, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Walk with this reverential awe before this God who reconciled you to himself through Christ. As Christians, we obey God because we respect him, because we fear him, and we don't want to displease him or bring him grief. He's the one who rescued us. He's the one who's saved us from eternal condemnation. We love Him. We respect Him. We want to obey Him. And when it comes to fears, Christians, we need to be different from the rest of the world. We don't fear the same things that the world fears. We don't fear circumstances, but instead, we fear the Lord. Now, our faith in Christ doesn't mean that we are never going to fear. I love Psalm 56, 3 and 4. Psalm 56, 3 and 4, written by David. David says in verse three, when I am afraid, saying there will be times that he has fears. When I am afraid, though, he responds rightly the same way that we need to respond. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? what a great promise there. I mean, that would be worth memorizing. When we're afraid, we don't sit there in that fear, but we respond right and we trust Jesus. We believe the words of Jesus, the words of Christ, the words of scripture. And then we realize that there's nothing that anybody or anything can do to us that is outside of God's sovereign control. Another New Testament verse that basically says the same thing is Hebrews 13, 6. Hebrews 13, 6. I love this verse. It says, we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. Jesus is with us. God is with us. We have the third person of the triune God dwelling within us. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Uh, what can sickness or even death do to me? Can't separate me from God and his love. What can financial ruin do to me? Can't thwart God's plan for my life. Uh, what can losing normal do to me? Can't keep me from moving forward. What can news and fake news and even those who have hidden and uh, sinister agendas targeted towards me do to me? Nothing right? Because God is in control. He's with me. He's my helper, and I don't need to be afraid. Let's pray. God, thank you so much uh, for the ability to uh, make this video for my Bible study friends, for our Compass Women friends, and look at this topic in light of you know just the fears that we're experiencing right now. God, I pray that we would be honest with ourselves and that we would think through any of the fears that we have that might have even been heightened by this coronavirus, the uh, fears of physical fitness, just of losing our health, even dying, uh, fears of economic disaster, fears of not being able to return to normal the way we know it, Uh, fears of the news, fears of fake news, fears of conspiracies and plots. God, please, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to see that we need to take all of those things and compare those to the words of Jesus, to the teaching of the scripture, to the words of the one that we can trust And I pray, God, that we would learn to turn from those fears. When we feel those fears, that we would say, you know what? This doesn't line up with what Jesus said. And that we would put our trust in you. We would fear you alone. That we would obey you and listen to your word. God, keep us on track. We do pray, God, that when we get to the end of this life, when we stand before you, we will hear, well done good and faithful servant. You used your time. You used your life in a way that was pleasing to me. God, thank you so much for your son, Jesus, who not only saves us, but gives us the ability to make a difference for you and your kingdom. And we pray in his name. Amen. Well, make sure and tune in with your Zoom groups this week. You guys will have some discussion questions. I hope you have good and honest discussion and that uh, everybody just draws closer to the truth of Christ and you know really learns to filter everything that they hear and think and feel through the scripture. And if you're not yet a part of our Women's Bible Study or in a Zoom group, go to compasswomen.com. You can click the little link right there for Hot Topic, and you can join in with one of our Zoom groups. And they would love to be able to talk through these things uh, together with you in the group. So thank you for listening to the video.